Man, good acting, Greg. He's all like hanging his head like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. I, I messed up. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for indulging a little, little bit of theater there to emphasize something that's very important. A small change in how we sing the words of our songs can make a big difference. There was, when Lisa and I were first married, we, would, we were part of this small congregation in northeast Pennsylvania, and they would have Wednesday night dinner in Devo. Hey, where did we get, come up with that idea? Churches be eating and worshiping. And the preacher, who didn't often lead worship, would lead, and a lot of times he would sing this song, and almost every single time he led this song, set us free from the truth you now bring. Nobody seemed to notice. I mean, Lisa and I noticed. I guess we never pointed it out, and then you'd get on a Wednesday night again and set us free from the truth. Oh, again, that's just how he knows this song, but it's not right, because what we're saying is, Jesus, you have a lot of truth. Set us free from it. It's hard. It's challenging to be a Christ follower, which is true, but we want Jesus to set us free by the truth, his knowledge, his wisdom. If we believe that Jesus really is God in the flesh, we have to go to a place where we say, maybe he knows something about life, about how we should be living. Maybe there's a wisdom in Jesus that goes just beyond suggestions or a way of life that worked 2,000 years ago. Maybe we have to acknowledge, if Jesus says this is what it takes to follow me, this is the, the best way to live your life, we need to consider that to be the wisdom from heaven. There's a lot of other sources of wisdom that we're challenged with that sometimes we can follow, and it sounds like the wisdom of Jesus, or it sounds like wise teachings are the best way of living. And maybe like this preacher that I knew who sang the song incorrectly with a very, very consequential meaning, it just it sounded the same. It's, it's basically the same thing, right? But it isn't. And we need to, as followers of Christ, notice those differences and say, ah, the wisdom of Jesus is something else. James is going to give us a good description of the wisdom that comes from heaven as it's contrasted with the wisdom of the world or the, the wisdom that can sound valuable but doesn't quite measure up in the text that we're going to look at in just a moment. Um, let's pray before I go any farther. Lord, we believe that you have the most valuable wisdom we believe that you are the source of the most valuable wisdom. And we thank you that we can know it in part because of Jesus. And I pray that as we gather in his name today that you will help us center our lives in the way of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the wisdom, your wisdom that we hear in Jesus' words. As the song says, search me, try me, consume all my darkness, we open our hearts to you this morning and say, if there's anything that we're not aware of, <laughs> any lines of the, the, the truth in the song that we're getting wrong and we don't even realize it, we pray that you reveal that to us today. We open our hearts to you and we trust that you will correct us gently, but in the way of truth. We want to be your people. We want to shine the light of Christ in this world. And we know we can't do it on our own. We seek your wisdom this morning, and we, we ask that you will give it 
generously as a good father does. We love you. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So I ride my bike to work. Some of you know this. I live about four miles from here, and I got into the habit of commuting from my house to the church office, mostly Monday through Thursday, but even sometimes I do it on a Sunday morning, about 10, 12 years ago. I mean, I've been doing it for a while, just on the bike. And some of you were surprised when you found out that bike riding was kind of my main thing, my main way of getting around. We, we have two cars now, but we, for years, we only had one vehicle, and usually Lisa, and the herd of children got dibs on the car, so I was on the bike, and that was fine, because that, that was my main thing. I like bike riding, it's good exercise. Um, but people would say, like, you're really going to ride your bike? Like, it's dark out. How are you going to get home? And I'm like, yeah, I am. I have a light. I have reflectors. It's my main thing. So, yes, I'm going to ride in the dark. Sometimes people would be surprised. If it's 100 degrees or 105 degrees outside, whoo, it's hot. You're really going to ride your bike in those high temperatures? Yeah, I am. I mean, sometimes I didn't have a choice. Like, if I want to get home, that's how I get there. It's my main thing. Biking was my main thing. Even when, to some people, it seemed like, well, that's, that's crazy. Why would you do that? Because it's my main thing. It's not my side thing. It's not, it is now. Uh, let's be honest. I have a car now, and some days I'm, I'm lazy. They're like, yeah, but it's raining outside. Is that your main thing? Are you still going to ride your bike in the rain? I have to go, well, I don't know. It is my main thing, but it's, I don't want to get wet. So everybody has their limits, I suppose. As I'm thinking about what James is going to teach us, about the wisdom that comes from heaven, he's encouraging Jesus' followers to make that your main thing. The wisdom that we should be getting should be the wisdom from heaven and not to be confused with any other kind of wisdom. Let's hear what James has to say. As he continues on, we're gonna, I'll talk about that more in a second. Let's just go straight to the text. This is James chapter 3. This morning we're just going to hear 13 through 18. James asked the question, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life and by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, and thank you to the New International Version for, for putting, putting scare, quote. Quote, scare quotes around wisdom, such so-called wisdom, does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But, by contrast, James says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, it's impartial and sincere. He ends this contrast by saying, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is an important contrast between earthly wisdom, the wisdom that sounds right, sounds good, maybe even will get you pretty far down the road, and the wisdom that comes from heaven. I am going to read this again. And when I'm done reading it, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, let's have a short answer section. I want you to pay attention to just what one word stands out to you. And you don't need to say why, but I just want you to listen. Of all the words James uses to describe earthly wisdom, 
uh, versus heavenly wisdom, I want you to pay attention to which of the words stands out to you. And if you're willing to share that with us, we're just going to take some short answers. Okay? So here it comes again. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Just curious. No right or wrong answer, but which of those those words words stands stands out out to you? Somebody willing to just raise your hand and shout out. What word stands out? Rachel. Hmm. Impartial and sincere. Marla. Wisdom. Tom says, yep, that's my word too. Kayla. Submissive. Everyone's favorite. (laughs) That one's a challenge. Brittany. Humility. She scooped you on it. No, it can, it can be too. Greg. Ah. There's a lot of peace in just these, how many, eight verses? Karen. Hmm. Yeah. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. There's agricultural language here. You'll know them by their fruit. Anybody else have a hand over here that I might have missed? Anyone else? Dan. From heaven. Yeah, yeah. Paul, in the verse that Rachel read for us earlier, talked about our citizenship is in heaven. We seek the the wisdom that comes from there. I like that. There's a source of this wisdom. Yeah, Janet. Pure. Yeah. That's the first thing he mentions. Does this remind anybody else of Paul's language in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit? You'll recognize the fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit of God is at work, you'll recognize it by love, joy, peace, patience. Yeah, all of the above. I think there's a similarity here. Uh, You'll recognize the wisdom that comes from heaven by these hallmarks. Pure, peace-loving, impartial, sincere, full of mercy and good fruit. It's a healthy tree. It's it's bearing the fruit that it's designed to bear. I have an orange tree in my backyard, and it is quite dead. And then my daughters were excited. They're like, it's a resurrection. It's starting to grow green again. I said, that's a weed. That is a very healthy weed in the orange tree's pot. We get our oranges from the spinkas (laughs) only. It's dead. It's not producing fruit over uh, on our side of Springtown. There's a wisdom that comes from the world, and we're very tempted to go along with it. 
We talked in our series on enemies of the soul. John Mark Comer talks about the world, and that's one of the enemies. Remember the flesh, the, the devil, the flesh, and the world. The world is what happens when worldly wisdom kind of gets amened by the world. And people go, yeah, that's, that's what we ought to be doing. And if you're following Jesus, you might go, hang on, but Jesus said something different than what everybody seems to say is the way to the good life or the, the best way to live. And that there's a, there's a contrast. There's a dissonance there. I was thinking of an example, and since James talks so much about peace and peacemaking in this section, maybe that's why it came to mind. A piece of earthly wisdom that I hear a lot, uh, especially from parents, is I don't teach my kids how to fight. That's not right. But somebody picks a fight with them, I teach them to boom, end the fight. I don't know if you've heard that wisdom. I hear that a lot. And people are like, yeah, yeah. You'll be in a conversation, even with Christians, and they'll go like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, my kid, I don't want him to be a bully. But if a bully comes up, boom, I'm going to teach him, defend yourself, stand your ground. And I'm like, that's, I don't think that's what Jesus said. I try to have some personal humility with this illustration because I don't have boys. I, I don't know what it's like to raise boys. Maybe that's more of a thing. You send your kid off to school, he's getting bullied, blah. These friends had talked about this, like, my, my son was being bullied in this new school, and he's a little bit smaller and all this, so he's come home crying, and it's like, ah, oh, that would be terrible. You feel helpless. What are you supposed to do? They said, well, here's what we did. We taught him. A bully tries to bully you, punch him as hard as you can in the nose. So he did. He went to school. He punched the bully in the nose. The bully got a dose of, you know, humble pie, and like, ooh, I'm not going to mess with that kid anymore. And then they said, and what's more... All the rest of the kids who are being bullied by this one bully, they start ganging up on him now too. So the bully is now the person who's like the, the, the wimpy kid that everybody picks on because our son stood up and said, no more bullies. And, but now everybody's bullying this one kid. So then maybe this bully goes home and tells his parents, I'm getting beat up at school. What are we going to do? Here's what you do. The kid tries to come up to you, punch him as hard as you can in the nose. And he does. You see what I'm saying? Like... That just keeps going, and that just keeps going, and that just keeps going. It's hard for me as a parent of only girls who don't get into a lot of fights <laughs> and don't go to public school. Uh, it's hard for me to say, that's not the way. But as I look at the teachings of Jesus, I don't see punch him in the nose as part of that. I see turn the other cheek. I see peacemaking. I see lay down your life. I see love your enemies. Let's take it to another level going on in the Ukraine or in the Middle East? How much harder is it for someone to say, ah, well, the way of Jesus is to love your enemies, to wash feet, to come up with creative solutions that don't involve violence. And they're like, did you see what they did? Do you see what's going on? What, what other option do we have? I listened to, to President Biden saying like, yep, I got a few ideas in mind, but they all involve violence. They all involve retribution, injustice, and again, there's some humility here. Maybe that's a road you have to go down. Maybe there are no other options. But as a follower of Christ, I go, I don't hear that from Jesus. It's easy to stand up here and say that. I don't have the, the correct solution. It's, it's easy to just throw stones and criticize other people's, how they're just trying to get by, how they're just trying to keep their people they love from getting hurt. I hear James say, the wisdom that comes from heaven looks like this. Pure, it loves peace, 
It's submissive, the one that we don't like, impartial, sincere, full of mercy and good fruit. James talks a lot about mercy. Greg, come up here for a second. This is unplanned. He knew I was going to interrupt his song, but this one's just the two of us. Sorry, he he, he knew, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Greg did nothing wrong. All right, Uh, hold my hands like this. We used to play a game as kids where we, you ever play this? It's called Mercy. Yeah, so you ever do this? You lock hands, and you try to, like, bend the person's hands or fingers or, like, twist the arm. You have to stay connected, but you go, one, two, we're not going to actually do this. Please. You know, he would kill me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm larger. It's true. But I won't hurt you. You're my friend. And all these Christians are are watching. Um, (laughs) And everybody on. So you, you bend the hands, ouch, 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 and so the, the stronger person twists them, and like you're just stuck there, ah, and the game's called mercy, why? Because the goal is to make him say mercy, and he, when he does, I say, ha, okay, I'm going to show you mercy, I'm going to release, I'm going to let up, you can sit down, thank you, oh yeah, please, let's see, oh, man, Creative. I'll give you that. If you've ever played Mercy and you're losing, you know you want, you say, Mercy, please, let up, ease up. I mean, uh, don't, don't hurt me anymore. Don't put any more pressure on me. Or in this case, Greg would say that, perhaps. You, you can recognize it. That's, okay, that's the wisdom that comes from heaven. It's full of mercy. You don't have to get to the point where like, ah, I can see that I'm hurting. Like just, mercy comes easily followers of Jesus, letting up and saying, ah, I don't want you to suffer. I don't want there to be pain. I'm not going to be the source or the cause of your pain. So it's challenging on a global level, on a local level, on a relational level. The things that Jesus calls his followers to are challenging. And we might be very tempted to say, set us free from the truth that you're bringing us. Because it's harder. It's a challenge. What do we have up there? Yeah, kind of a good little contrast. James is saying, the wisdom that comes from heaven looks like this, and it doesn't look like this. So it's a kind of a measuring stick. You can measure your motives up against. You can measure your own life. We don't want Jesus to set us free from the truth. We want him to set us free by the truth. And if we believe that Jesus is the smartest human being that ever walked the earth, the wisest human being, the source of wisdom that comes from heaven, then we have to take this seriously. Even in the face of some worldly wisdom that everybody says that's the only option. And there may be some consequences that are hard for us to deal with. But there it is for us to take it or leave it. I was thinking about baptism as I'm thinking about making Jesus the main thing in your life. The bike is my main thing until I don't want to do it anymore, or until it rains too hard, then I go, well, okay, it was my main thing, but now I've got options. I have some other things. And maybe that's how we follow Christ sometimes. Like, yes, Jesus is my main thing. But uh, don't go to that slide yet. I think people are reading ahead. Give us the, yeah, that's better. (laughs) Jesus is my main thing. 
until he's not. Or until I find myself in a tough situation and i got to say, all right, this isn't the best way. It's not the way of Christ, but it'll get me through the day. Then it's not really our main thing. Like when I, before I had a car, I stuck on the bike. It was my main thing. I kind of like said, this is it. In the rain or in the heat or in the dark, I'm going to, this is kind of what I've set forth to make my main thing. When we get baptized, I don't know if you know this, Probably a lot of you do. Behind here, there's a uh, very clean, very well-kept baptistry. It's like a little half of a hot tub without any jets. Um, but when someone says, I want to follow Christ, we follow the, the biblical example of being immersed. You've heard that before. Baptism is immersion, and the Greek word that's used there is the word baptizo, and it means the immersion. So we have this pool of water for when someone says, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be all in. I want Jesus to be my main thing. You don't have to know everything about Jesus at that point. You don't have to have all the answers to the possibilities or the, the, the bullies that come up. Like, how do we, we deal with this? None of us have that. You could live your whole life and still be a work in progress. When you say, I want to follow Jesus, I believe that he is the wisdom that came down from heaven. I believe that he is God in the flesh, the Son of God. I believe that he gave his life, and I believe when they went to look for his body, right in the same place where they left it, that it wasn't there, because by the power of God's Spirit, he was raised, and we have resurrection hope in Jesus. And you're like, yeah, that, that's, I believe that that is true, and I want to orient my life around that. And you get in the water, somebody lays you back, and you are immersed, and water hits everything. You are completely soaked. When I was baptized, it was 1994 something for, and uh, I didn't have a cell phone, and I didn't have car keys or house keys. Probably had a, maybe I had a house key. Um, I didn't have any money in my wallet. I didn't have any credit cards at the time. But if I were baptized then, I would have had to take all these things out of my pocket, and I would have had to put them aside. They don't want to get those things wet, but yes, baptize me. I want Jesus to be the main thing in all parts of my, like my whole self symbolic visual thing of just being like, yes, I want to be immersed in Christ for the rest of my life. But if I had set these things aside, whew, immersed, yeah, Jesus is my main thing, but maybe not my money. Not the main thing when it comes to my finances or how I use my screens or what I do with my, my me time or my entertainment. That's, eh. I don't really want Jesus involved in that. Or where I go, or what I invest in, or the, my, my home life, this can become a thing. The followers of Christ are participating and being completely immersed that it's everything. All, all my stuff, all, every area of my life that I'm involved in, I want Jesus to be the main thing, the main driving force behind that. And if I have any wisdom in any of these areas, my finances, my relationships, my work, my uh, learning, my screen time, then I want to get that wisdom from what Jesus did, what James describes, that being pure and peace-loving and submissive and all of the above. And so I wonder, this morning, I'm just going to kind of close out with this, but like I said, I'm going to turn you loose to discuss some things in just a moment. Not yet, Evie. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a hard, hard speaker to do slides for. If you haven't been baptized, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, if you haven't said, I want to be all in for Jesus, I want Jesus to be the main thing, then you can do that today. That invitation is open. It's always 
there. I was talking to my buddy Greg just a few minutes before. He was baptized, what did you say, six weeks ago? Recently. He just discovered Jesus and was baptized not long ago. Praise God for that. He said, I'm all in. I want Jesus to be my main thing. And a lot of us have said that too. Like I said, a long time ago, I said yes to Jesus. But maybe we, maybe we left some things out from the water. <laughs> maybe there's parts of this cleansing, this, this, this baptism that we've accepted that ha- hasn't reached certain areas of our lives. So I wonder, for those of you who have been immersed and have said yes to Jesus, if maybe there's an area of your life that maybe needs to go back in the water. Like, if you want to, there's a cover, so it's not, this stuff's not getting wet. Don't worry, I know people would freak out once this thing goes up there. Not the phone! Hmm. Whatever it is, whatever we have that we've, we've left out, maybe it needs to go back in the water. And maybe we need to identify that and say, I need this to be my main thing too. I need Jesus to be just as a part of how I exercise wisdom in those areas as any of the others. And so, ready, Evie? One, two, three. Okay, at long last, we've been waiting for this. I want you to just take a moment and think about different areas of your life. And it can be, these are just to get your brain moving. There's lots more. You're free to identify your own. But I want you to turn and talk to somebody next to you about which one of these things or in which part of your life is Jesus the main thing. And just to put a finer point on it, maybe identify in which of these areas of your life is Jesus the most involved. In which area is he most the main thing? And then on the other side of that, in which area of your life is Jesus most absent? Where is he the least amount of the main thing? I hope that makes sense. I tend to take simple ideas and make them complicated by saying too much. But take a few moments, talk to the people around you about this. In which area of your life is Jesus the most the main thing? And in which area of your life is Jesus least the main thing? Share as much as you're willing to share. Take about five minutes, and then Darren's going to close us out by leading us in some prayers, some specific prayers for people in this congregation. Ready? Go.